your Safe Space, the podcast. I'm your host, Adele Marie, and this podcast is here for you. It is a safe space for us to catch up each week to discuss anything and everything. And today, guys, we are discussing something very important and close to my heart, mental health. And it is episode number 10. Can you believe that it's episode number 10? Because I can't believe it. I feel like, I feel like in a weird way, I have been doing this forever because I love it so much and it makes me so happy. But then I'm like, it's still so new. Like I literally launched this seven weeks ago and I can't believe we're up to number 10, but I want to say thank you again because the reason this podcast continues to be produced and continues to be recorded is because of the support that you guys give me. Every time that you listen, every time that you watch, it helps me more than you could literally ever imagine. And I want to say thank you for the love last week. So I didn't actually mention this, but I recorded the podcast in video and I put it up on my YouTube channel as a vodcast and I'm waving at you guys now on the vodcast. (laughs) Thank you if you are watching. I was asked to do this for a little while and I was a little bit overwhelmed when I first started podcasting because I didn't really know one, what I was doing or two, if I look at the camera or if I look at my run sheet, like I just, there was a lot happening, right? And so I thought, stuff it. Last week, I'm just going to give it a give it a go. I'll put the camera there. I'll pretend that it's not there. And that's why I did not mention it on air (laughs) at all last week. I just put it up on my YouTube channel quietly. And I thought if people want to watch it, they'll watch it. And I think at this point, I'm recording this on Wednesday, the 21st of September. And I think about, I don't know, over a thousand of you have watched it so far. So thank you for that. That was a surprise for me. And I think I'll keep recording it. I'm recording this one. So if you want to watch what I'm doing instead of listening, you can watch and listen on my YouTube channel, which I will link in the notes as well. And I want to say, guys, how has your week been? What has been going on? I know that if you are in Melbourne like me, you would have come off the back of a very long weekend because we had the Thursday and then we also have the grand final public holiday on the Friday. So we've had a very long weekend here in Melbourne. I hope you guys have had a magical week. What is something good that's happened to you? Tell me about it. What is something that you're grateful for? Think about it. Tell me about it. Say it out loud. Just hold the space in it. Hold the space for it in your mind just for a split second. I'm going to say, what was I grateful for this week? I am grateful for you guys. Yeah, I, I, I say it all the time, but I truly, truly mean it. This week has just been really, really nice to me. I've been working on my journal, obviously recording this podcast, done a bit of editing here and there, and I just have to pinch myself every day because I'm like, how do I get to call this work? It wouldn't exist without you guys. So yeah, it's you guys. Oh, and also I'm getting my nails done today. My nails have been hanging on for honestly, I'm going to say like six weeks and I'm going straight after here to my beautiful nail tech, Vicky, who I can't wait to see. So grateful for a lot. Obviously, I want to say if you feel like nothing good has happened to you this week, the good thing is tomorrow is a new day. Tomorrow is a new week. And hopefully after this episode, you feel a little bit better too. All right. Now, guys, I want to jump into today's episode because it is a jam-packed one and I've got an hour. (laughs) I've got an hour in the studio and I don't want to waste any time. So today we are going to be... Let's go again. Today, we are going to be discussing mental health. We're going to be discussing mental illness, some stigma around mental illness, my own story with mental illness. And then we're going to jump into the listener questions, which are what are the signs that you might need some help with your mental health, how to ask for help with your mental health and how to find the right help. And then I'll also give you my tips for looking after your mental health. Now, 
Before we get into today's episode, guys, I do need to give a trigger and content warning because we are going to be talking about some things that may be triggering, maybe a little bit heavy, including anxiety, depression, emotional abuse, and suicide. If you are triggered by this episode, I want you to please find some links in the show notes or call Lifeline on 131114. Now, without any further waiting, let's jump right in. If you're watching this on the podcast, I am holding my hand on my chest because this episode is a lot for me. It's not triggering for me because I am, I'm going to say, not in crisis. I'm feeling good today. But yeah, I just am self-soothing if you're wondering what I'm doing on the on the podcast. I want to also preface the conversation by saying that I'm not a professional and what I am sharing in today's episode is obviously in relation to my own struggles. And so when we talk about mental health, mental illness, there is a huge range of mental illnesses that exist. And I have, I guess, experience in relation to anxiety and depression. And a lot of what I will talk about has relation to that. And so I'm not going to be covering off everything, but I just want to give that kind of disclaimer. And I also want to say that I note my privilege in the fact that I can access therapy. And I know that access to mental health care is still so hard for some people. And so I'll hopefully give you some guidance around that as well later in the episode. All right. Now, as always, I like to start the conversation with defining things because that gives us, I guess, a starting point. Now, when we are talking about mental health, mental illness, there is a difference between the two. And I think what is important is that we first recognize that each and every one of us has mental health. We all have a mental health to look after. The definition of mental health is defined as a person's condition with regard to their psychological and emotional well-being. And then we've also got, on the other hand, mental illness, which is defined by a disorder that can cause psychological and behavioral disturbances with varying severities. As I said earlier, there are so many types of mental illnesses or mental disorders. I want you also to know that one in five Australians at one point in their life will struggle with their mental health and may experience a mental health illness or may experience a mental health disorder. So that's one in five people. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I know more than five people. I'm sure you know more than five people as well. And it just goes to show how many people will struggle with this at some point in their life. And so the reason I wanted to mention that is because if you are listening to this and if you struggle with your mental illness, I need you to know that you are not your mental illness and struggling with it is a normal thing. And I want to say, someone with a broken arm is not a broken arm, right? And so if you are struggling with your mental illness, you are not your mental illness. And I guess I wanted to start this episode by talking about the stigma around it, because I think the stigma, even though we have come so far, still exists. And I guess it's another reason why I wanted to do this episode, because when we talk about it, we weaken the stigma. If you're wondering what does stigma look like, I still think it does exist because it looks like people being called crazy or psycho rather than sick. It's people thinking that if you have mental illness and you get help, that makes you weak. Or by getting help, you're less of a person for doing that. And sometimes we can even have that stigma from ourselves, within ourselves. And I want to say, for me, I had that stigma (laughs) about it myself. And it wasn't until I really needed help and I got it that I realized 
I should have got it sooner. <laughs> my own stigma held me back from getting help. And I think, as I said, the stigma has changed over the years, but it is still around. And I think it truly exists because of lack of understanding. And I'm going to say preconceived negative thoughts about it. And maybe it's just a society thing because back in like the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, mental health didn't have the same kind of, I'm going to say like reach that it does now. Like now we actually talk about it, which I think is amazing. Whereas back in the day, you didn't. You didn't talk about your struggles. I've got the microphone cord wrapped around me. You didn't talk about your struggles. You didn't talk about if you were needing assistance. People suffered in silence. And so for me, knowing what I was like before I got help, I think that is why I have become so passionate about sharing when I do go to therapy, sharing that, you know, I love journaling and I have to manage my mental health on a daily basis. I don't have that stigma anymore. And I know that obviously with the platform that I have, I have a responsibility and a duty of care. And it's always going to be something that will drive a lot of my content because I still think we have a long way to go. And even in today's episode, I'm not going to be covering off all of the things about mental illness, but you know, every little bit counts. And I want to say, if you have that stigma to yourself, please, please don't. (laughs) Because if you listen to this episode and you feel like you need help, I want you to be empowered and I want you to actually go and get it and put yourself first. Because at the end of the day, getting help for your mental health, if you need it, is the highest, highest form of self-care. And it is the best thing that you can do for yourself and the ultimate, ultimate act of self-love in my mind. All right, guys, now we're going to jump into my story and I am going to tell you, yeah, I'm going to tell you how I ended up here. And I've spoken about this very briefly in past episodes or very briefly in other forms of content, but I'm going to say that my mental health started to seriously decline in 2020. (laughs) Obviously, I know a lot of us can relate to that because that's when the world first got told about COVID and when we first went into lockdown. Now, for myself personally, I had been in lockdown for a couple of months at this point. I was also living in Sydney. I'm trying to just set the scene so that you can build a picture in your mind. But I was living in Sydney and at that time, I was living with an ex-boyfriend. Now, I was also away from my family which was really hard because you guys know how close I am to them. And so I hadn't seen my family since Christmas the year before, which was 2019. And I was feeling very isolated already. But then my relationship, which had a lot of issues to begin with, pretty much went from like 100 to a thousand. <laughs> now, the reason I didn't say zero to a hundred is because when the relationship started, that relationship went zero to a hundred. And obviously, I don't want to give you the nitty gritty details, but things moved very quickly in this relationship. And I think when I got into this relationship, I was feeling a little bit homesick. And I can look back now with a lot of self awareness. And I think maybe not, I'm not saying that I settled for the relationship, but I think I fell into it because I was feeling quite lonely and the relationship moved incredibly quickly. So from our first date to being official (laughs) was literally like a week to having, I love you said to me was very, very quick. And we moved in together very, very quickly. Like it, it all really went zero to a hundred. And then when COVID started in that late March era of 2020, the relationship went from like a hundred to a thousand. And what I mean by that is that the relationship was incredibly toxic and incredibly traumatizing for me in the sense that there was unrelenting like criticism. There was lots of name calling, there was mocking, there was stonewalling, which if you don't know what that is, it is basically just like 
literally being ignored. Like it's almost like you're not there. There were threats of harm. There were lots of scary things happening. And at the time while it was happening, I didn't realize, but I'm going to say that what I experienced was emotional abuse. And this went on for a period of, I think maybe two or three months. Now, while this was going on, obviously over a repeated amount of time, I was feeling quite unsafe. I was feeling quite fearful. It was like a constant state of being unsafe and being fearful. And this essentially is what triggered what would then go on to be my official anxiety diagnosis. And before we continue, I want to say, if you are experiencing anything I just spoke about, if you are experiencing any kind of emotional abuse, if you are experiencing physical abuse, if you're experiencing domestic violence in your home, that is not okay and can get help. And there is a great service out there that I want you to contact. It is called 1-800-RESPECT and the number for that is 1-800-737-732. And they are amazing because they can help you identify associations or housing or relief funds or grants or whatever you need in your circumstance. And I think I needed just to mention that because obviously it did play a part in my story. And I want to say that again, by speaking about it, we lessen the stigma by speaking about it. It might help someone else that's currently in that situation, right? So if you are, please contact 1-800-RESPECT. Now, side note, I'm also not here to talk bad about that ex of mine. I have forgiven him. And I also have a lot of empathy because I almost think it was the perfect storm for that relationship. He had lost his job at the time. He was also acting the way he was acting because of, you know, people act the way that they act, whether it comes to like conflict or how they treat others because of how they've been shown how to act in their life. We have spoken since then and I have forgiven him. He has apologized. There is no bad blood there. And I think at the end of the day, I don't want to sit here and say, I'm grateful that I went through something so messed up. But if I didn't go through that, I really don't think I'd be sitting here right now. (laughs) And it's like this very bittersweet thing where it's like, that really did destroy me. And I, when I think of like a rock bottom, that was my rock bottom. And I think if I wasn't there, I wouldn't have gone to therapy. I wouldn't have learned the tools and things that I then, you know, have carried on two and a half years later to where I am now. I wouldn't be the Adele that I am now, even though that's like a terrible thing to have lived through. I'm not, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm still like, it's part of my story now. How can I, how can I hate the things that have made me who I am? What I want to say is obviously I was diagnosed with anxiety on the back of that. And that crisis was not the first time in my life that I had felt mental health issues arise. The only difference between this time and all the others is that this time was the time that I actually got help. Now, I want to touch on a couple of other things that I've been through because with hindsight now, with knowing what I know, I can see that back then I was experiencing either anxiety or depression, but I just didn't know because I didn't know how to label it and I didn't know what to call it. But I had had definitely peaks of anxiety and depression in the past. I have spoken about this on some of my platforms, but my uncle Mark passed away in 2017 and he was incredibly, incredibly sick. I'm not going to tell you the whole story there, but he had motor neuron disease, which is known as MND. That's why I always wear my MND beanie, especially in winter. I buy one every single year. He passed away in 2017, August 2017, and that whole situation took an incredibly 
mentally demanding toll on every single person in our family, including obviously his immediate family, including my dad, including my mum, because we lived next door to him. (laughs) So that was an incredibly traumatic, I'm going to say, era of my life. And then there was also the Black Saturday bushfires in 2009, where my beautiful grandparents, my nonna and nonno, my mum's mum and dad, lost their home in the Black Saturday bushfires. And I was quite young then. I'm pretty sure I was still in high school. I think I was in year 11, or maybe I was in year 12. And again, at that point, I was so young. I didn't know how to articulate what I was feeling, but it was really scary. It was really overwhelming. Again, I just kind of felt all these things, but I didn't know how how to tell people that I was feeling these things. And so looking back now, I can definitely see different patches in my life where I probably needed help and I didn't get help. And I'm just mentioning that because I think it's an important part of the story, (laughs) an important part of the context. But back to 2020, and I'm going to say it was July of 2020. That's where I got help. Now, I do need to say a big thank you to two of my friends at the time, Hannah and Angie. You guys know I've mentioned them before. They are my Sydney friends and they were so beautiful to me. They offered me, you know, a place to stay. They offered me to look after Franklin at the time. They offered me help. And they also very gently, I'm going to say, encouraged me to get assistance. Now, I will talk about some of the symptoms that I had, but they were noticing these symptoms, whereas I was like, no, I'm fine. Like, I think I was running on, I don't know, adrenaline or running on, I don't know, anxiety. But at that point, when they suggested I get extra help, I didn't take it badly because they approached it in such a gentle and and beautiful way. And I'm so grateful for that with the timeline. So that's July of 2020. I'd started therapy and I have been in therapy ever since. And I'm going to say at the start, I started doing weekly sessions and whenever I am in crisis, so I'm doing crisis in the little quotation marks, but whenever I'm in crisis, I tend to need weekly sessions. When I'm coming out of crisis, I can do fortnightly sessions. And when I'm vibing and everything is fine, I still do monthly sessions. And I spoke about this a little bit in my YouTube video last week where I had a therapy session and I didn't need it, but I still had it because what you do with your mental health when you don't need help is what helps you when you do need help. And then my story obviously takes us to October 2021, which was shortly after the breakup that you guys saw on TikTok. And that was the breakup with the guy who seemed really good compared to the rest (laughs) and then randomly broke up with me. But that triggered another crisis for me. And this time it was depression, which again, I'm going to say I definitely had bouts of it before, but I just didn't know that that's what it was. Now, I also think that what I went through in 2020 with that dynamic in the home, I do think that has left me with sensitivity in relation to romantic relationships. And don't get me wrong, I've done a lot of work. I was able to like open my heart and, you know, get into another relationship. And even now, like I'm open to dating. I I want a partner. Like I'm, I have an open heart to that. But I do think that that has left me a little bit of sensitivity there, which is fine. It's something that I think I have to live with and, you know, I will continue to obviously work on and make sure that I manage throughout the rest of my life. But what helped me the most is in my first session of therapy, my psychologist instilled to me that I was not my mental illness. And she said very similar to like, you know, the broken arm, you're not your broken arm. But it's like sometimes you might get a cold, right? Or sometimes you might get the flu. Sometimes you might even have bloody COVID. And sometimes we have episodes or patches of life where we do have mental health issues. And for me, my patches have always been anxiety or depression. 
And so I will say, obviously, I put in a lot of effort every day to look after my mental health. And I will give you some tips at the end when we go through the listener question. And obviously, I try my very best to keep myself out of crisis. However, life happens. Shit happens, guys. And sometimes you have no control over what life does to you. And sometimes it's good to have the practical things, the tangible things to help you. But sometimes we need extra help. We need help by a trained professional or we need medication. Guys, I want to then jump into, sorry, I know that was really heavy. (laughs) Let's take a deep breath. I know that was really heavy, but I just, I needed to give you that context. Now I want to jump into the signs that might show up that might mean that we need some help. And I want to say, you may notice this in a friend or family member as well. And that's okay if you do, because you can then gently offer to get them some help as well. Now, again, these are not all of the signs, but they are some of them and some of them I experienced and I'll talk to you about how I experienced them. So the first one is feeling anxious or worried. Now, when I give you these things to look out for. I'm talking about like to the extreme. It is very normal to be stressed and it is very normal to experience like stress here and there. What I am talking about is feeling anxious all the time and it's at the point where it's like interfering with your life. Some of the physical symptoms that I personally had at the time were panic attacks, shortness of breath, really like sweaty everywhere, like sweaty palms. I get really bad sweaty palms when I'm having an anxiety attack. Dizziness. You may also get like some stomach aches and you may have problems sleeping. And more recently, I have found that you will also potentially grind your teeth because your girl has been grinding her teeth. And I think I was grinding my teeth around like the May, June, July period of my life this year because it was getting quite stressful there. I wasn't in crisis, but it was it was, it was slowly, slowly pushing me there. But as I said, these things, you're feeling them a lot. And so when I was in crisis in 2020, I was having panic attacks every single day, multiple times a day. It was to the point where like I couldn't leave the house or live my life because that's what was going on. And when it gets to that point, it's like I couldn't help myself. <laughs> I needed the help. I needed help from my doctor and my psychologist. And so there are some things to look out for if you're feeling anxious or worried a lot of the time. Then I'm going to say the next one, number two, is feeling depressed or unhappy. Again, a lot of the time. It is normal to have a bad day. It is normal to feel sad, but I am talking about being sad for weeks. And I'm also talking about losing interest in the things that you enjoy. And maybe it's even lacking motivation to get out of bed. And I'm not talking about lacking motivation to get out of bed just one day. I'm talking about you are struggling to get out of bed. And this is ongoing for a period of time where it's impacting your ability to live a normal life. It's a lot of feelings of sadness, of overwhelm, hopelessness as well. And you may be feeling like worthless, things like that. And then number three, I'm going to talk about very briefly is weight and appetite change. So this is just about noticing rapid weight change in yourself, or maybe you're noticing this in a friend or even just like fluctuations in weight. I'm going to say number four is issues sleeping. So again, I'm not talking about just having like random bad nights of sleep. I'm talking about if you are suffering from insomnia, if you are sleeping too much or too little, that could be a sign that your mental health is struggling and you may need help. And again, I'm not talking about one night bad sleep. I'm talking about lasting changes to your sleep. Number five, your behavior change 
changes. And what I mean by this is you have just an overwhelming difficulty to cope with life. You may become withdrawn. You may become tired. You may be isolating yourself. You may even be like avoiding social activities. And again, I'm not saying like you're an introvert and now you are suffering with your mental health. I'm saying to the extreme, if you are noticing yourself doing this, that could be a sign that you also need some help. And then I am going to say number six is substance abuse. I feel like in Australia especially, and I feel like this needs to be a whole bloody podcast episode, but Australia definitely has a problem with alcohol, binge drinking and substance abuse. People using alcohol and drugs to cope with their mental health. But it's a catch-22 because while using drugs and alcohol to cope with your mental health can be a sign that you need help, a lot of the time drugs and alcohol actually can make your mental health worse. And I've spoken about this previously too in my Ask Me Anythings on a Monday night. I went through a very big party girl era. I'm going to say in my early 20s. And some of you listening to this podcast may know me from back in the day. And your girl liked to party. I'm going to say definitely that was a period of my life where I was coping by substance abuse instead of actually dealing with my issues and getting help. And I think about it now, especially that period when my uncle was sick. And even like before that, I think I had, I don't know, maybe identity issues in my early 20s around like what I wanted to do with my life, who I was, adjusting to like uni life after uni. And so instead of really navigating that because I didn't have the tools, I just mixed with the wrong crowds and partied really hard. And a part of me now is like, do I have the mental health problems I have now? Because I did that. <laughs> and I don't know. And I don't re- I don't have regrets. But again, if I could go back, I probably would have made better self-soothing decisions than the decisions that I did make. But I didn't know better back then. So I did the best that I could at that time. And that's what I always tell myself. I did the best that I could. But guys, you will see now that I don't really I'm not you're not going to find me in a nightclub if I am for whatever reason out for someone's birthday or an event that's different but most of the time I'm not going to be drinking I might have one or two drinks if that and I'm not going to say like I don't ever drink because I still like to enjoy like a nice cocktail here or there or a nice glass of wine but it's not to the point of where I'm like oh I need to drink to get blackout or I need to take whatever so that I don't feel anything or that I don't remember my night or that I can switch off my feelings you know and so being very aware If you can see yourself that you are using substances or using alcohol to self-soothe, that can be a very clear indication that you need help, but it can also mean that you're hurting yourself more. So something to be aware of. I'm then going to say number seven, emotional outbursts. So again, it's normal to be snappy. I'm queen of PMS and being snappy the week before her period, but I'm talking about anger and irritability to the extreme. Now, this again, on a normal level is fine and very common, but when it's to the extreme, it can cause hostility and it can cause outbursts. And you might notice yourself having this to people around you, whether it's like friends or family, that could be a sign that you need some assistance with your mental health as well. Number eight is you've gone through a traumatic event. I spoke about some of the stuff that I went through guys, and I wanted to share that because I think people forget that we are humans and sometimes life throws curveballs at us. And sometimes these things are really, really hard to deal with and really 
messed up. And if you've gone through something that you need additional help for, there is no shame in getting help. And you know why? Because sometimes our friends and our family can't provide the help that we need. And I think it's okay. It is, it is so okay to then go and get that additional help. And the great thing about getting that help is you get to work through it with a trained professional who then teaches you tools so that the next time if something bad happens like this, you are a little bit more empowered. And then number nine I'm going to touch on is contemplation of suicide. And I wasn't going to leave this out because I think it is very important that we discuss. I feel like it is like still the taboo thing. You know, the conversation is always very light. And when you are struggling with your mental health, you may contemplate taking your life. You may be thinking about it. You may even attempt it. And suicide is often seen as like the last resort or like the only way out of a situation or the negative feelings that someone may be experiencing. And I want to say, if you're feeling this right now, or if you have felt it, I promise you that it is not. And I promise you that if you are in the darkness, the light will shine again. I promise you. But I need to say, if you are considering it actively or passively, you need to seek help. And I recommend calling Lifeline on 131114 or calling triple zero. I needed to put that in there, guys, because it is a very real thing that people experience. And again, it's something that I don't think is spoken about enough and needs to be talked about more. I will say you should seek professional help if you are noticing any of these signs. And it is not weak to get help. There shouldn't be shame in getting help. And I noticed when I did the Q&A on my podcast Instagram, a lot of you were asking questions like, talk about the stigma or how do I tell people I need help or how do I admit that I need help? There was a lot of questions about that. And one of the biggest takeaways for me is that firstly, if I didn't go to therapy in 2020, I probably wouldn't be here. And therapy 100% changed my life. Getting help 100% changed my life, saved my life. And when I think about it now, it has changed me in so many ways and has made me such a different person. It has taught me about myself. It has helped me in so many ways that I think, wow, how did I live before this? And had I not gone there, I would be missing out on like some really cool life shit right now. I was really worried to do this episode, guys, because I know it's so heavy and I know it might be triggering. But again, I just need to remind myself that hopefully this can help some of you. Now, I'm going to jump into the next question, the next listener question, which is how to ask for help or how to find the right help. Now, some of the advice or information I give to you will be in relation to Australia and our healthcare system. But I think the best place to start every time is with your local GP. And the reason reason why I say that is because your GP can give you a referral or what we call a mental health care plan. And that can then help you go and see a psychologist or a psychiatrist and they can set you up on that plan. Now, Australia has this amazing thing. And again, I still think we have a long way to go with mental health in Australia, but the mental health care plan used to, I believe, allow you up to 10 sessions subsidized by Medicare. And I think in COVID they changed it to 20, which is fantastic. But what that means is when you go to your GP, you get a mental health care plan. You then go to a psychologist or a psychiatrist. The session you pay could be subsidized by Medicare, which I think is fantastic. And the reason that I want to mention that is because sometimes people don't know that it is a thing. And even with me, I didn't know that it was a thing. And the process 
process of getting one was super easy. So I'm going to explain to you what I did. I went to my local GP and I literally said, this is what's going on. I explained the situation that I had at home. I explained what was happening to me every day that I couldn't sleep, that I was, you know, having panic attacks every moment of the day, that I couldn't eat, that I couldn't breathe basically. And I said, I need help. And they do an assessment of you. So there are some questions that they get you to answer out. They do like a full assessment of you and then they will give you a referral to a psychologist or to a psychiatrist. In my situation, I got a referral to a psychologist and then that essentially let me go and meet with my psychologist and the GP is still involved even though I deal directly with the psychologist now. So throughout your mental health care plan, you have points of like a review where like you will then be required to go back and chat to your GP. But I want to say all of this has been so easy and I've been very lucky because I've got a great GP in my corner and I've also got a great therapist. But the reason I say to start with the GP is because the GP can also give you all this information. They can prescribe you medication. They can even make you lifestyle recommendations. They can refer you to who you need. I will say there is nothing wrong with needing medication for your mental health. Let's normalize it. If you need medication at any point, take it. The right medication will help you. The right medication can save your life. Okay. Now, I also want to jump in and say you can go direct to a psychologist if you want. What that means is you just pay 100% out of pocket, which can be really expensive. You can also go direct to a counselor. Counselors, I believe, are a little bit cheaper than psychologists. And you could even look into seeing a mental health coach. Now, I did a bit of research for this podcast episode and I had a look at Beyond Blue. They have a service called New Access, which I didn't know about, but basically it's like six free sessions that they could provide you with if you're not on a mental health care plan. So if you, for whatever reason, can't get onto a mental health care plan, please check out Beyond Blue New Access program. I'm then going to say you could also look into your workplace because most workplaces and every single workplace that I've worked at has had an EAP, which is an employee assistance program. And so what that will do is entitle you to like X amount of sessions. They don't cost you anything. And usually it's like a private third party. Oh no, I think my camera is going to overheat. Please don't do that. But usually it's like a third party that will not give your information to, you know, your employer if you've got personal stuff going on, but they may give you, I think, depending on who the EAP provider is. They can give you five or six sessions and they these sessions can be amazing to help you through the crisis. And then I'm going to say there are also some accredited mental health social workers that you can get in to see without going to your GP and you can look up ones close to you via the Australian Association of Social Workers. They have a directory. That's the Australian Association of Social Workers directory. I will say you do need a referral for a psychiatrist. And then I want to say there's also free helplines and chats, which I've linked in in the notes section for you to check out. Check out their websites, check out their chats. These places when you call them can also then give you more help as well, okay? And then I want to just say, because I get asked a lot, how did I find my psychologist? It was trial and error, guys. So I had a criteria for my psychologist. I wanted them to be close to me. And at the time I lived um, in a suburb in Sydney and my psychologist's office was in the same suburb. I wanted a psychologist that was the same sex as me. And I wanted someone around the same age ages me because I wanted it to feel more casual, more like it could be a friendship. That's what worked for me because I had gone to two psychologists before her who were not in like the same demographic and kind of just didn't make me feel how I wanted to feel in a therapy setting. And so for me, it was trial and error. And a lot of the time it can be trial and error, which I think is okay. But I also want to say that when you 
go into a therapy appointment or when you go into a psychology appointment, it does also then take time to like build the trust and build the bond. And I would say that probably by like the third session, you will be able to know if you are clicking or not. But yeah, I just wanted to quickly throw that in there because I get asked quite a bit. And for me, it was just a matter of like convenience. So that location. And then it was a matter of just me being comfortable with the psychologist. And, you know, obviously with my psychologist now, we have known each other for a very long time. And and obviously the relationship is incredibly professional, but I think in my brain that like, if I wasn't her client, we would probably be friends outside. outside in the real world because that's how close my bond is with her and so I think that has worked for me that might not work for you but give it a try and stick with it because even in my first or second session with her I was like oh how can I really tell her all these things but eventually that trust and bond started to get built and then guys I'm going to jump into the last question which was tips for looking after mental health your mental health and these are my top tips so number one is nailing the basics I'm talking about food water sleep I'm talking about having breakfast, not skipping meals. I'm talking about drinking more water. I'm talking about maybe cutting back on the alcohol. I'm talking about maybe cutting back on the caffeine because I know certainly for me when my anxiety is bad or if I'm in an anxious patch, I cannot have coffee because that just like physically lifts my heart rate and then it just sets me up to almost have a panic attack (laughs) on the day if I have a coffee. So if I'm feeling anxious, I will avoid coffee as well. In regards to sleep, it might be getting off your phone earlier. It might be you know, creating a better sleep routine. So trying to go to bed earlier each night. And I'm, I was one of these people when I was going through that really bad crisis, my food, sleep and water was all out the window (laughs) as well. So the basics, nailing the basics, I'm going to say are always my number one tip. I'm then going to say number two, physical activity. Physical activity literally releases endorphins. You know, in Legally Blonde, how Al is trying to find who committed the crime and she's like, happy people don't kill their husbands because the person that, they were trying to say did the crime had gone to the gym that morning that's not a joke (laughs) because endorphins are a positive chemical and you guys see me in the gym or walking a lot and when you ask me how can you go to the gym Adele it's like at this point I don't have a choice if I don't go I will start to decline and if some of you were watching my weekly vlog the week that I was traveling to Sydney or traveling to Canberra I think it was like the June July vlogs and I had not gone to the gym for about two weeks did you see me in that did you see my energy I was like bored line tears every single day because I was not getting any kind of endorphins from any area of my life. And so physical activity, if you want, start with a walk. You don't have to like go to the gym and lift weights like me. Start with a walk. Maybe you want to run. I don't know. Try running. One of my best friends, Suze, runs. I love that for her. I'm not a runner. Find what works for you. Maybe you want to do yoga. Maybe you want to do Pilates. Maybe you want to do, I don't know, swimming. I don't know. Do what one feels good for you and two, you can continue to do because you actually enjoy it. We're not exercising exercising to punish ourselves. We're exercising because we want to feel good. Okay. And then number three, I'm going to say is mindfulness and relaxation. And this looks like breathing exercises. This looks like meditating. This looks like journaling. This looks like maybe putting on some relaxation music. And I think making time for this every day, you don't need a lot guys, five minutes a day. That's all you need to do. And doing that, practicing your mind in that stillness can then strengthen that muscle for you when you are in a crisis or when things start to go to shit. (laughs) 
Number four is talk to someone. This is so underrated, but talk to a friend, talk to a family member, or talk to a trusted professional. I said before, sometimes our friends and family can't help us, and that's okay. We can't expect our friends and family to deal with our very serious mental health issues if we have them. But if you are feeling like a friend or family member can help you, get that help from them. If you need more help, book in a therapy session, talk to your GP, or call one of the hotlines in the link in the notes. Number five is self care. And I want to say there are many different ways that you can practice self-care, but I will recommend my own episode of episode number five of Your Safe Space, which is how to handle a bad day. I give you so many self-care tips there. And I want to say, don't leave your self-care for a bad day because your self-care, again, very, very similar to the mindfulness, the relaxation. One nice thing for yourself daily goes a long way. How you treat yourself matters so much so, so much. And I am, I'm going to say CEO of self-care because I'm always doing what I can for myself. And I make an effort to do one nice thing for myself each day because that adds up your body, your body and your mind keep check. And if you continually do little nice things for yourself and treat yourself well, your body remembers that. And very similar to the self-care, we're not leaving the nice things for a bad day. We're doing the nice things for ourselves now. And then number six, guys, I'm going to leave it here is spending time with others and or being creative. So one thing that I did when my depression was very, very bad was do a paint class in lockdown with my mum. And I felt like shit, I didn't want to do it. But even just like the practice of painting was so therapeutic for me and so helpful for me but just like the experience with my mum was really nice but it can be anything it can be gardening it can be cooking something it can be doing a puzzle it can be doing any kind of other art tapping into that creative flow can sometimes get you out of like your anxious mind or your depressed mind and the same as like spending time with loved ones whether it's family or friends even like community type of things spending time in the company of other people can fill up our cup as I said in many episodes now we are humans we need connection we need people and And it's important to make sure that we're doing that as well, because that is a big part of looking after ourselves. Before we end the episode, let's take another deep breath, because this one was heavy. (sighs) And I want to say again, if you were triggered by this episode, please find the links in the show notes or call Lifeline on 131114. If you like this episode, I would love for you to give me a review. I would love for you to give it a rating. I would love for you to tell your friends about it. I would love for you to share it on your story to Instagram. I appreciate your support. You guys have no idea how much I appreciate your support. And as always, this is a little podcast produced by me, planned by me, edited by me. There's no one helping me with it. It is just me. And so when you guys show me that support, it means a lot and it means the podcast continues. And I want to say as well, thank you for joining me and thank you for holding the space for me in this episode. I know it was a long one. I know it was a heavy one. I know a lot of you have been, you know, asking for this for a little while. So hopefully this helps. I will say mental health, mental illness can be discussed for so long. And so I know this is a very intro level podcast episode into it. We could perhaps do a separate episode on therapy if you guys want me to unpack that a little bit more. But as always, I will typically put up a poll on the Your Safe Space pod Instagram with what the next episode is going to be. So make sure if you're not your following us there it is your safe space pod on instagram make sure you're giving us a follow keep an eye out for the giveaways we have a giveaway open at the moment which will be closed by the time of this episode i'm going to pick the winner on friday but guys i want to say thank you for joining me i hope that you had a great weekend i hope that you had a safe weekend i hope that you have a magical week ahead i hope something amazing happens to you and i hope that you thrive this week all right guys i will speak to you next time love you bye 
The Your Safe Space podcast is recorded on Wurundjeri land. This podcast acknowledges the traditional owners and custodians of the land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land.